Chapter Fourteen of the Homesteader. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phyllis Vincelli. The Homesteader by Oscar Michaud. Chapter Fourteen, Epic the First, The Administrating Angel never before since jean baptiste had come west and staked his lot and future there doing his part toward the building of that little empire out there in the hollow of god's hand had he worked so hard as he did in the days that followed that summer when the rains for a time ceased and the warm porous soil had dried sufficiently to permit a return to the fields from early morn until the sun had disappeared in the west late afternoons did he labor observation with him seemed to be inherent ever since he had played as a boy back in old illinois he had been deeply sensitive with regards to his race to him notwithstanding the fact that he realized that less than fifty years had passed since freedom they appeared even considering their adverse circumstances to progress rather slowly he had not as yet come fully to appreciate and understand why they remained always so poor always the serf always in the position to gain so little but withal to suffer so much. Oh, the anguish it had so often given him. His being in the West had come of an ulterior purpose. It has been stated that he was a keen observer. While so, he had cultivated also the faculty of determination. By now, it had become a sort of habit, a sort of second nature, as it were but there were certain things he could not seem to get away from. For instance, it seemed to him that the most difficult task he had ever encountered was to convince the average colored man that the Negro race could ever be anything. In after years he understood more fully why this was. But we deal with the present those days when jean baptiste with a great ambition was struggling to do his bit in the development of the country of our story he struggled with these problems at times until he became fatigued not knowing that he could never understand until the time came for him to when he dined late one afternoon and found himself alone with agnes he spoke of being tired you work too hard jean she said kindly perhaps so he admitted and still the way i choose to see that is that i'll not know the difference this time next year that is quite possible she agreed thoughtfully but your case is this i think you seem inspired by some high compulsion some infinite purpose in the way you work and in your mind this is so uppermost that you forget the limit of your physical self she paused and gazed at the knife she held her mind appeared to deliberate and he wondered at her deep logic 
what a really mindful person she was, and still but a girl. I cannot help thinking of you and your effort here, she resumed, and if I was asked, I would advise you to exercise more discretion in regard to yourself, to labor as you do, without regard to rain sun or time is not practical it would be very sad if in conducting yourself as you do something should happen to you before you had quite fulfilled that to which you are aspiring not to accomplish altogether but to demonstrate you seem to have such a complete understanding of everything agnes he said you appear to see so much deeper than the people i have met to look so much beneath the surface and read what is there i cannot always understand you he paused while she continued in that thoughtful manner as if she had not heard what he said now in your remark of a moment ago you so defined a certain thing i would like to tell you but i shall not now the instance is always so much in my mind that indeed i lose sense of physical endurance i lose sight of everything but the one object it is not that i care so much for the fruits of my labor but if i could actually succeed it would mean so much to the credit of a multitude of others others who need the example he paused and thought of his race the individual here did not count so much it was the cause his race needed examples they needed instances of successes to overcome the effect of ignorance and an animal viciousness that was prevalent among them in this land for instance which had been advertised from one end of the country to the other this land where four hundred thousand acres of virgin soil had been opened to the settler he was about the only one of that race who had come hither or paid the instance any attention such examples of neglected opportunity stood out clearly and were recorded and the record would give his race claiming to be discriminated against no credit. Such examples of obliviousness to what was around them would be hard to explain away. So, in his ambitious youth, Jean-Baptiste's dream was to own 1,000 acres of land. He was now 23 and possessed half that much. He conjectured that he could reach the amount by the time he was 30, providing nothing serious happened to retard him. He had finished his meal and was ready to go back to that little place over the hill. The girl who had made proof on the homestead he had purchased had lived fourteen months alone in a little sod house her father had built for her in which he now had his bed. She had come of a prosperous family in the east she had come hither and put in the time and the requirements and had sold the land that he had bought at a good profit to herself such instances were common in that country so common indeed that little was thought of it and his trips back east when baptiste told of such opportunities he was not taken seriously the fact that the wealth of the great central valley was right at their door, 
that from the production there they purchased the food they ate, that sheep were raised whose wool was later manufactured into the very clothes they wore had no meaning to them, and always he felt discouraged when he returned from a visit among them. He had never seen Agnes so serious as she was that night. She arose and followed him to the door, and stood with him a moment before he left. Her eyes were tired, and she appeared worried. He became possessed with an impulse to shake her hand. She seemed to sense his desire, and as he stepped out into the night, she extended it. He grasped and held it briefly. He whispered good night to her, and as he went through the yard and out into the road, she watched him from the open door until he was out of sight. Jean-Baptiste thought he had secured a bargain in a team he had purchased a week before, and from all appearances he had, for after working them a week he found them model horses, apparently. As stated, he slept in the little sod house on the place near Stewart's, and also had a barn there in which he kept his horses while working. The morning following the conversation with Agnes, just related, he went out to curry and feed this team along with the other horses, and received a kick that was almost his ending. Right at the temple one spiked him, and he knew no more for hours. "'I wonder why Jean is so late,' said Agnes, going to the window and gazing up the road. He was a hearty eater, and the fact that he was late for breakfast was unusual. They waited a while longer, and then ate without him. Bill, who had been to care for his horses at the place before breakfast, reported that he had seen Baptiste go into the barn. So he had arisen, that was sure. But why had he not come for his meal? The subject was dismissed by all except Agnes, who was strangely uneasy. "'Bill,' said she, "'see what is the matter with your boss when you go over, and tell him to come to breakfast.' Bill had no difficulty ascertaining, and returned quickly with the news. "'I knew it!' exclaimed Agnes excitedly. "'I just felt that something was the matter.' whereupon she got into a light coat and followed her father and brothers to where he lay outside the barn door, bleeding freely from the temple. They carried him into their house and were cheered to see that the blood had ceased to flow. His head was bandaged while Bill went for Doc Slater, who pronounced the wound serious but not fatal. He awakened later in the day and called for water. It was brought him forthwith by Agnes. When he had drunk deeply and lay back weakly upon the pillow, he heard, How do you feel, Jean? He looked around in the semi-darkness of the room, and upon seeing her, sighed before answering. When he did, it was a groan. She came quickly to where he lay and bent over him. Jean, she repeated softly, tenderly. How do you feel? Does your head pain you much? Where am I? He said, turning his face toward her. She put her hand lightly 
over his bandaged head. You are here, Jean, at Stuart's. You are hurt. Do you understand? Hurt? He repeated abstractedly. Yes, hurt, Jean. You were kicked on the temple by one of your horses. Is that so? And he suddenly sat up in the bed. Careful, careful, she cried excitedly, pushing him gently back upon the pillow. He was silent, as if in deep thought, while she waited eagerly. Presently, she said in a low voice, Do you hurt badly, Jean? I don't know. He raised his hand to his head, as if trying to think more clearly. She caught his hands and held them, as if trying to estimate his pulse, to see if he had any fever. How did you come to get kicked, Jean? she asked, speaking in the same low tone. I don't know. When I opened the barn door, I had a vision of one of the horses moving, and I knew no more. You must be very careful, and not start the bleeding again, she advised. You bled considerably. And you say I'm at your house? At where I board? Yes, Jean. He turned and stared at her, and for the first time seemed to be himself. He closed his eyes a moment, as if to shut out something he did not wish to see. And you have me here and are caring for me? We brought you here and are caring for you, Jean, she repeated. It is singular, said he. What is singular? That you have twice happened to be where you can serve me when I am injured or in danger. She was silent. She didn't know how to answer, or that there was to be any answer. Has a doctor been here? Yes. What did he seem to think of it? He said your wound was serious, but not fatal. Did he say I could get up soon? He didn't say, Jean, but I don't think it would be wise, he groaned. Now you must be patient and not fret yourself into a fever, she said seriously. But I have so much work to do. That will have to wait. Your health is first, she said firmly. But the work should be done, he insisted. But you must consider your health before you can even think about the work. He groaned again. She was thoughtful, she was considerate, and she could see that he would worry about his work and injure himself or risk fever. I'll speak to Papa, and perhaps George can take your place for a few days, a week, or until you can get out. You're so kind, Agnes, he said then. You are always so thoughtful. I don't know how I can accept all you do for me. Please, hush. Don't mention it. She arose and presently returned with her father. Aha! He always greeted. So you've come too. Thought something would show up in that bargain. Please don't, father admonished Agnes frowningly. "'I'll look after everything while you're down, old man,' said Stuart. "'I'll start the horses you've been working this afternoon. Aggie has explained everything, I understand.' "'I'm so thankful,' he said then, closing his eyes, 
and a few minutes later had fallen asleep. End of Chapter 14 Epic the First The Administrating Angel